Hello. Hi. Happy Wednesday. It's it's Tuesday, I think. Oh, sorry, you for the listeners. <laughs> Great start. Well, it is Tuesday when we are recording this, but you obviously listen to this in the Wednesday. So, hello, happy happy hump day. Hi, happy hump day. Um, how have you been? I have been good. I think. Yeah, just the usual. I'm I'm tired always, but otherwise, actually good. I'm still enjoying enjoying the rain, which is just blissful because I can't deal with any heat. How are you? Yeah, I'm not really enjoying it because I'm about to go on holiday in less than a week, and it does not look nice. There's just rain every single day, and I don't like it. Oh no! Where are you going? To Berlin. Oh, is it raining there as well? I'm just talking yeah. about the UK. Oh no. It doesn't look great. But yeah, we'll see. Hopefully it clears up by then. Um, I do have one thing I wanted to ask you, and we've kind of discussed it very briefly, but I want to hear your opinion on Barbie. Oh. Oh. Okay. I just posted something in my story that I'm that I reshared from an Instagram account. <laughs> um, because I really like the movie. Um, I had absolutely no idea what to expect when when they first announced that Barbie's going to come out. I tried to avoid, I, I avoided all trailers. I didn't read anything about it. I simply did not know anything because that's, in my experience, the best way to experience a film. And first I thought, oh God, it's going to be a children's movie only because there were so many children in that cinema on a Saturday at 7.30. Like they were so young. Um one baby was crying. I, there was literally, I think, a baby in the cinema, which I'm like, why? Anyway, the film itself, I found it really good. Um, I think it's a, a good message for girls now, younger girls when they watch it. Um, Ryan Gosling's performance, I do not like Ryan Gosling, but that performance was just chef's kiss. Honestly, he was really good, especially if you know that he's been in a lot of films where he was really serious. Being funny is hard. Like, playing a funny role is hard. What did you think about it? I absolutely loved it. I don't think it's for children, though. Because I've no. seen... No, and I've seen that there's an age limit. Um, that, well, I know, that, like, it's many... 12. Oh, okay. Okay, I thought it was... Okay, well, yeah. So, but even then, I don't really... I don't know. Anyway, what do I know? Children these days <laughs> well, are very definitely wise. definitely children in the cinema that were not 12 years old. Yeah, that's weird. But I, yeah, I was kind of like you when I found out that there would be a Barbie film. I didn't really know what to expect either. And I was kind of like, do we, do we need this? <laughs> but I had, I had no idea what kind of masterpiece <laughs> it was going to be because, oh my God, that film, I am obsessed. I want to go watch it again. It was so good. There's so many things to think about, but it's also just funny. It's also just funny and camp, which I think is what we kind of expected <laughs> from um, a Barbie movie. But it's just also just, it, there is so much. I cried a handful of yeah. times. Yeah. It's so beautiful. We, like my boyfriend and I walked back home and we had very like existential conversations <laughs> after Aww. that film which I was not expecting and and it was just great and everyone was was dressed in pink and it was just it was just the whole thing I loved it did you yeah. uh did you go see Oppenheimer as well 
Yes, I did. <laughs> the next day, though. And I mean, okay, people will hate me, but um, when I was queuing to get some popcorn, I was like, how long is this film? Because I wanted to ration how much food I need, you know. I don't want to get hungry and get up during the movie. Um, and then I saw it's going to be three hours long. And when I read that, I knew this is not gonna. This is not for me. I mean, don't get me wrong. I'm the person who can watch five episodes of 50 minutes on Netflix in a binge easily. But that's when I particularly choose what I'm going to watch. And it's usually reality TV. Oppenheimer was history based, which I'm interested in, but I'm not a history geek, I would say. I do love the whole cast of Oppenheimer. They were amazing actors. But honestly, I got so bored after two hours. Like, I just wanted to go. I've seen it at that point. Like, it's just, and considering they took, they used Christopher, well, Christopher Nolan was the director. And yeah, he had some banger films. But I feel like ever since Tenant, I'm just like a bit, I don't know. I'm just not in, impressed anymore. And I know people loved Oppenheimer. There are people who really, really liked that movie, but um, um, it's it's not my vibe. It was a bit too complicated. Too many people that haven't been really explained of who, like who they are. I I don't know. Maybe it's just me, and I can't follow history based movies. But yeah, the effects were cool as well. The way they used, well, the way they didn't use sound for certain scenes and stuff. But yeah, not my vibe. Barbie. Yes, Oppenheimer doesn't really get a good rating from me. <laughs> I haven't I haven't been yet. Maybe I'll go watch it. I don't know. I feel like there was such a long monologue, I'm sorry. <laughs> no, 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 it's fine. It was interesting. I'm not apologizing to you, I'm apologizing to people listening. <laughs> anyway. But Gladys, I wanted to ask you something as well. Because you well, we also got some nice critics on our Instagram reel that we posted about not last week's but the weeks before the episode the week before. What do you think about those nice little messages that we got? <laughs> <laughs> I was overjoyed that day. <laughs> so, for those of you who don't know yet, we got hate comments. We, we made got it. Hate comments. We made it, Mom. I made it. I made it. I'm a star. <laughs> um, honestly, I wasn't expecting hate comments this early on in our journey, but I think even I underestimated how how much um fat people get people heated. <laughs> so I don't know. Yeah, um, seems it. Yeah, I mean, honestly, it's. So the comments, it was like two comments. It's also quite shady accounts. You know, it's these people who barely have any followers. Although I think one of them has quite a few. But then they don't really have profile pictures or anything. Um, and they they basically, they reacted to um, one of our reels saying something. It was basically the same kind of thing where they were like, um, oh, why do you, why can't, you can't demand other people to change if you don't want to change. And like, why should other people change their behavior because you're fat or something like that which is funny because they basically just exactly prove my point you know yeah and I, I do kind of want to say something here because I know that many people kind of deep down secretly or not so secretly probably also kind of feel this way or have thought this at some point in their lives and you know when I wrote an article uh, on fat phobia a couple of years ago, one of my family members also reacted in this way and they said, okay, but if if all that stuff was so hurtful and if you hated that so much, why did you not lose weight? And it's just like, if 
if that's your reaction, with all due respect, you have not understood a single thing <laughs> that I said. Um, why should anyone have to be thin to be respected and treated like a person, you know? And I think the thing is, and I've kind of been thinking about this, with fat phobia, there's the idea that it's not really hate or discrimination discrimination in the same way that there's other forms of discrimination. Because I think that the idea is, oh, but this is something that you can change. But why should we have to? That's that's the thing. Like again, this this stems from the idea that thin is the standard, which is harming every single person, every single body. Um, and even if someone actively chooses to be fat, which most people don't, by the way, but even if someone actively chooses to be to be fat, does that mean it's okay to hate them for it and exclude them and ridicule them? Like what what kind of logic is that? And of course, then there's the oh, but it's unhealthy arguments. And to that, I I say, okay, so then will we start treating people who have an unhealthy relationship with alcohol and drugs the same way? Because I don't see that happening to the same degree. And I mean, come on, at the end of the day, it's just what people's bodies look like. That's literally it. Like, what what is it to you? And I personally don't think asking people to treat us like humans is too much to ask but I guess those two people felt differently which okay like they're of course they're more than welcome to listen to the full episode yes please I hope they I hope they're listening right now <laughs> I do think it was great though at least this means that people find us on Instagram yeah exactly which is which is all we want at this point any interaction is well isn't interaction <laughs> exactly <laughs> oh no but that was very well put from you i mean thank, from thank you thanks <laughs> <laughs> oh well okay so should we should we get in this week's episode well actually maybe introduce the podcast so people actually know who they're listening to um and then get in this week's episode or first announce the summer break <laughs> oh yes oh my god so today's a bit of a today's a wild one anyway <laughs> What we also wanted to let you all know um, is that we're going on a summer break, but not for too long. Um, it's just a week where we're both on holiday and it just would, wouldn't, we couldn't put the effort in that we would want to put in to the episodes. So we will not be posting an episode on the 9th of August, but we will be back on the 16th of August yeah. for everyone who will miss us. So try, <laughs> try to hang in there. We know it will be yeah. basically You'll get through it. But you, you can do it. <laughs> oh, exactly. Well, okay. Let's go with the intro then. Okay. Welcome to Millennial Musings. I'm Gladys. And I'm Isabella. And we are just two opinionated millennials who sometimes make dumb mistakes. And what we want to do here is to share our experiences and to offer advice that we wish we had received. Disclaimer, we are not therapists or life coaches and we have no actual criteria to be giving life advice whatsoever. But we could be your new bestie or your big sister. So sit back, grab a cup of coffee and get ready for some millennial musings. Yes, and we always focus on different themes and we try to answer three to four questions within those themes and each question 
is one episode. And today we actually start our new corporate theme. And the question today will be, are millennials spoiled for wanting a job they don't hate? I'm so excited about this topic because I honestly feel like this topic is one of the reasons why we decided to start the podcast because I think this is one of the things that we sent the most voice notes about (laughs) to each other. Oh, yeah. (laughs) We've talked about this so many times. Yeah, we really have. Um, We have a lot of opinions about this. Not even opinions, just our own thoughts having been in the work world for a while now. Okay, so are we spoiled for wanting a job we don't hate? I think wanting to be satisfied with your job is quite a valid and reasonable desire for anyone, really. It doesn't really matter which generation you belong to, but I do think that there's like a a generational difference when it comes to understanding of what a good and satisfying job looks like to someone and that is probably because generation face different kind of social stigmas and challenges which obviously have an impact on someone's values or like job expectations um and it can also relate to someone's upbringing i think but what i mean with this is for us a good job is more than just earning a lot of money and having a job that you won't have to give up after 12 months or like where you constantly worry about being fired. And for other people, a good job is just, well, you earn a lot of money here. You should be happy with this and you can go and sit and not, I don't know, sweat all day for earning that money. Yes, definitely. I think the the reason why I definitely wanted to talk about this and why, I don't know, like why, why we've, had all these discussions about it over the years and everything is because one of the things that I always heard as a younger person and actually still was people would tell me and it would it would mostly be my parents generation or my grandparents generation they would tell me nobody likes their job it's a job it's not meant to be fun Mm -hmm. um and I always felt like okay but that's not what I want. I don't I don't want to spend 40 hours a week or more in an environment that that I don't like. Um and I I completely understand that not everyone that some people just are in that situation because of different reasons. But I always felt like, okay, but that shouldn't be the the standards. That shouldn't be the goal. And it shouldn't be weird to not want that or to want something more than that and to to actually want to work something somewhere where you're happy um and exactly what you said as well i mean my family um my parents my grandparents they well most most of my grandparents and my parents they only went to they only went to school until they were i think 16 they had very physical jobs they always they've always done manual labor and to them it's it's very very obvious that contrast because to them to my dad for example a job where you can sit behind a computer is perfect it's a perfect job you have nothing to complain about which of course I get if you have a job where you have to get up at 4 a.m and work in a factory for for eight hours a day but then so we would sometimes clash because there would be conversations where he was like oh but I read in some article that you know, you can be a secretary in a hospital or something and it earns very very well. And why don't you just do that? And then I would be like, because I 
don't want that. I don't want to be in a hospital. <laughs> I, I, I don't want to have anything. I don't want to work in that sector. That's just not for me. But then to him, it was like, oh, but that's like, it's not a physically demanding job. You can literally just sit there and earn money. So what, what do you have to complain about? That sounds like a perfect job to me. And I've always found that very interesting, how that can be such a, a thing. And even with, you know, my grandfather, he did have an office job his entire life. Um, but even there, he stayed there at his company for is his entire, literally from when he was a PhD student until the day he retired, he worked for the same company. The company changed names <laughs> about five times, I think. And he he just stayed. And And there is also that idea that, you don't quit unless there is something horribly wrong. But you don't just quit because yeah. you feel like, oh, actually, I don't really want to, I don't really want this anymore. I don't really like it anymore. I don't get the satisfaction that I want from this job anymore. Um, so that's yeah. definitely something that I've always thought about when I when I got that reaction. I was always like, am I so spoiled for wanting? wanting to like my job that I would do five days a week or wanting to not dreading to go yes, to work every exactly. day <laughs> yeah no I mean a job literally consumes the biggest portion of your life like you spend around if you have a full-time job you if you're lucky you only spend 40 hours with your job because a lot of people work over hours and come up to 60 or more and then it's the first thing that I'm asking myself is if you spend so much time with them something why does it have to be something that actually just drains you? Like I'm, like you said as well, I'm aware that this is quite a privileged, privileged question to ask because not everyone has the chance to just choose. Well, another thing I also think about generations before millennials and probably also before Gen X, maybe I don't know. Um, let's say it for boomers <laughs> and before is that they are so focused on their job or like not focused but they are like they almost identify themselves with their job because that's what they do and what they have done like the same job probably in the same industry probably in the same company for years and years and years that when they reach the age of retirement it can be really hard to actually let go which I don't understand because I am 28 soon 29 and I cannot wait to retire <laughs> and hopefully have a good pension if I'm very lucky to just enjoy my life um which yeah it's just I think it's because you have started identifying with your job it's obviously hard to let go because it has become a part of you and one thing a friend of mine actually told me after she listened to our first podcast episode. So go listen, go listen if you haven't had a chance to listen to that one yet. Um, but yeah, in our first episode, Gladys and I are both listing five facts about ourselves to introduce ourselves. And what a friend of mine told me was that neither of us, um, when we were listing those five facts, mentioned our job or our role or what we do for a living. And I mean, you, Gladys, and I, we have talked a lot about this before, before this podcast even was an idea, um, especially since we had our bad job experience in which we get into later. And we both believe that your job is and should not be your identity. And I think the main reason a job shouldn't be your identity is that I honestly can't imagine that that is good for your mental health, because to me, identifying yourself through your job is almost like identifying yourself through a partner in your romantic relationship, for example. Um, 
because if you would have good friends, they would then tell you that that is not smart or healthy if you can only see yourself through your boyfriend um, or girlfriend or whatever. And with the job, that job literally could be taken away at any point. And then they probably would break you if that's how you, well, if that was part of your identity. And of course, losing a job is always hard. Like that is a lot of stress that comes with it. But I just feel like it hits you. It might hit you harder psychologically that way. Um, And another thing is, I also think that if you become your job and you end up living to work and not work to live, it will make you so much more about so much more stressed about certain situations at work. Like I'm not a doctor, but um, if I think about how it would affect me, I would guess that I would burn out quicker if the job would be such a heavy, big thing in my life. Because you're obviously not just cared, like I said before, about losing your income, but about so much more. Yes, definitely. And um, a couple of years ago, I heard someone on Instagram talk about what we say when or what we mean when we ask someone the question, what do you do? And I've actually actively started not asking that question anymore or rephrasing that question to what do you like doing or what are your favorite things to do? Because from my own experience, the question, what do you do? I think when you ask someone that question, you expect to hear their job, right? Which, first of all, not everyone has a job. So maybe that's not something everybody wants to give an answer to at any moment in time. Um, Maybe sometimes that is a little bit unsteady at the moment for, for, for some people or something. So they don't really want to reply to that. But also, when I worked for... I actually feel like because we will mention also stay stay on for the for for the bit that's about to come about this uh work experience because you do not want to miss this. But I kind of feel like of course we can't say the name because I'm I'm not trying to get sued. So um I should we just call it the shit show? <laughs> sure, because I'm sure we're not gonna get sued for that one. No, let's call it the shit show. <laughs> I mean So when I worked for the shit show, I dreaded this question every time someone asked me so what do you do which happens quite often if you start thinking about it if you start focusing on it I hated my job I didn't want to talk about my job and I every single time so I would kind of give them like a very vague and very brief answer but then I also immediately was like okay but I also do this and this and these are actually the things I want to do and these are my favorite things to do because I just wanted it, I wanted to make it very clear that that job was that, but that was not who I am. Yeah, <laughs> and that was not actually what I do. Well, it was what I did to earn money, but it wasn't what I liked to do. Yeah, and what I actually did spend my time doing voluntarily. <laughs> no, I w- I wasn't the same situation as you. Like we worked for the same shit show. Oh, that's how we met. Um. <laughs> But um, my answer was actually, I started lying. I felt so uncomfortable when people asked me that, that I, well, I wasn't really lying. I was just making what we do sound really interesting. And actually people then were like, oh, wow, that's so cool. And I was just sitting there like, I wish it was cool. Because <laughs> I just didn't know what else to say. I just was overwhelmed and uncomfortable. So yeah, I don't. I was I was past that point. I couldn't even make it sound cool anymore. And the people were like, oh, that sounds that sounds fun and I was like mm-hmm, yeah not really <laughs> well I didn't give that answer for for too long at some point I was like I do this but I wish I wish they would just fire me but we get into this later 
god um yeah so uh, uh, she's not joking by the way oh no they people will we wish people will learn about this in a bit <laughs> Yeah. Um, I did want to say one thing about um the the thing you said about that your job should not be your identity. Um, so I I do agree with that to um some extent as that yes, exactly. When you have a job and that's just what you do to make a living and everything, you should not get to especially let's say especially in the corporate world yes <laughs> you should not get too attached to it and it shouldn't be just how you define yourself um of course I do think if you're the kind of person if what you do is literally what you love to do mo most in this world for example one of my friends is a chef and she just lives and breathes cooking and it's not just what she earns money doing but it's also the thing she loves to do or if you're a writer or someone and if you're someone who genuinely just if if what you do to make money is also what you would be doing if you didn't have to make money um then then yeah of course it can completely be your passion and it can be a very big part of who you are but on that i also think not everyone's job has to be their passion and i think it's great that now especially with in with our generation younger generations we want to go for what we want and we're allowed to demand a little bit more from from work and a work environment and everything but i also think that the flip side of this is it kind it kind of created this mentality and this idea that we all have to be hustlers and we all have to be extremely ambitious and i very often see posts on instagram that are like you're resting but you haven't achieved your goals yet so what are you doing get up and work and <laughs> And then, I'm oh, do kind you of mean like, like Kim Kardashian? <laughs> what was her quote where she got so much shit for? She said, "Women just need to get up and work, basically, oh, yeah. to become like yeah. her." <laughs> yeah, oh, people yes. don't know what it's like to work. It people don't want to work anymore. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. No. exactly. So that that's very much the mentality now as well. And I kind of, I just want to say to that if if you have passions and you want to work towards your goals. Um, then yes, let's be honest. Sometimes you need a kick in the butt. I know I do. <laughs> I know I know I definitely do because I can be my own procrastination is my 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 biggest enemy. But also, many people are not like they they don't have these big passions or ambitions that they want to work towards every single day. Many people actually, society is built on people who are very comfortable with a job that is just nice. Yeah. And that gives them a good work-life balance. And that is okay as well. Normalize not having passions. Yes, because I feel like this is like this. I know those quotes and posts about your passion and make your passion your dream. Uh, they have a positive reinforcement. But no, I feel like it can create like this toxic positivity where you feel like, but I'm literally not interested in anything else. But I don't know. I don't know, reading a book, like that is my passion. I love coming home and reading a passion after I've had a day at the office where I did my job, which is literally just my job. Like this needs to be normalized. I feel like nowadays there has been a little shift where it's, because back in the day it was like, okay, you go and you get a good job. You become a doctor, a lawyer, 
I don't know, a finance person, someone who earns a lot of money and can be very successful. Whereas now I feel like it does not matter what you want to do. Just go and do it and make a lot of money with it. And I'm like, well, but it's just it's just hard, especially if you're a creative person and you want to do something creative. Like those industries are so hard to get into, be it writing, filming, anything. Mm, definitely. Yes. Yeah, 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 exactly. And yeah. Yeah, because I that so but then the other thing is I do think I am a creative person. I need some kind of creative outlet. I studied film and media because I was and now still am again <laughs> extremely passionate about that. So then after my shit show job, I <laughs> applied for quite an artsy digital media company and I got the job. And I thought this will be the thing for me because I really just enjoy being creative and editing and all that stuff. But eventually I ended up editing so much and I was constantly asked for new ideas for social media. And I was constantly asked to just be creative and come up with stuff and more and more and more that I just felt like my creativity had been sucked out by me by a Dementor. Like I really started to hate what originally was my passion. I love being creative again now. Otherwise, we probably, I probably wouldn't be part of this podcast right now. Um, but it really took me some time to recharge those creative batteries. Um, yeah. And it, I actually needed to find a job, the job I have now, that I really enjoy doing, going to. I enjoy the people I'm working with. But it's something that has nothing to do with what I studied, really. It has nothing to do with film or media. Um but I feel like it's a balance between I have a job, it pays my bills, I enjoy developing within that industry, but my my passion, so to say, is outside. Yeah, no, and yes, exactly. And that's that's so true what you said. There is this thing of when you when you tell someone, oh, I love, I don't know, taking photographs, then immediately there's this thing of like, why do you not do it professionally? And you should you should make a lot oh, of yeah. money and you should have an exhibition. Yes. And and sometimes people just want to do that on the side as a passion project. And sometimes that, that can just be all there is. Um about the the job thing though, I kind of have well, I don't want to say problem, but I kind of have the opposite thing now because I have a job currently. Well, and we again work for the same company. I have a job that I really like, but my job is writing. So I write for as as a job. So I, a couple of hours a day, I write. Um, and I also love writing for myself. But then, and if you follow my blog, <laughs> then you will have probably noticed <laughs> that once again, I haven't posted anything in months. And it's also kind of because now I write every single day and I love it. But after be after having written things for work eight hours a day, I'm kind of I'm sick and tired of looking at Google Docs. <laughs> just yeah. I just want to do something else, which is why the podcast is great, because that's a great exactly another creative outlet. But I've been thinking these past couple of weeks, like, okay, but I'm barely writing and what's up with that? Because I love it so much. But exactly, I do have to be quite creative during work in that way. And it's the same. Yeah. It's exactly the same thing. Well, of course, the writing would be more personal if, if I if I would do it in my spare time. But yeah, so that's kind of a thing for me now. Um, so I kind of need to find that passion or, or I need to, yeah. yeah kind of rekindle that fire again. <laughs> um, speaking of work experiences, 
Should we yes. dive into our shared horror story? Oh, let's get into it. Okay. Do you want to start? <laughs> I don't know. Did we did we hype it up to a bunch of people and now expecting something really horrible? Uh, honestly, with, with the things on mine, I do not think people will be disappointed. <laughs> I don't think people will think, oh, they made it sound sound worse than it is when I tell you the things that are on my nose. <laughs> yeah, I think that's true. Let's just get into it. I'm just going to start because I think I have a lot to say about the things you're going to say after okay. this. I'm just going to intro it. Um, so both of our job, the first ever job we had in the UK, wasn't the same company. Um, and I was being naive. <laughs> And you probably do, because I thought that corporate jobs in companies like that, especially as well, are quite fancy. At least that's what you see in like these Hollywood movies when people rush around in New York to get to their offices. Um, and yeah, I mean, the whole start of the shit show was quite. It was was quite it was good. Fancy. That was quite fancy. Was- like we both got our jobs, and then we had the first ever day. We had to, well, yeah, we had to travel. We had to travel to another country. Can we say where? Doesn't yes. really matter, does it? Yeah, we traveled to Luxembourg. I've never been. I think you've never been. And it was quite the experience. We were being picked up at the airport and we had a nice hotel and it almost felt like a holiday, even though we were meeting people from the company and our manager who we thought is going to be amazing and who will listen to us. <laughs> um, but yeah, it turned dark pretty quickly after we got back. So I've um, honestly, I've tears already. <laughs> um so we started this job in September 2019. I knew in November of 2019 that I had to get out of there. <laughs> and, and I remember uh, we were on the sidewalk because we went for a little break. I know exactly where we were on the corner of the street. And I remember telling you, Isabella, I this is not for me. This is absolutely not for me. I had just had a one-on-one meeting with not with our manager who by the way we have to give a name um and i i decided on julie <laughs> our manager was yeah we will call our manager our julie. manager was julie yeah. so it wasn't julie it was someone else um kind of Ju- julie's predecessor i think who julie w- would yeah would be replacing um me and him had a, had a one-on-one and many things were said in that one-on-one um, but one of the things was, so uh, a couple weeks prior, I was in the kitchen and I ran into an HR person, well, head of HR. And because I had read about social, like social initiatives and everything that the company does, I was very excited. I was very excited to organize and maybe become part of a social team. So I asked her if I could talk to her for for a moment about this she said no she didn't have time but if she could reach out to me later if that would be okay so I said yes absolutely fine it's not urgent it's okay weeks later this man brought that up in my one-on-one and he literally said that this had been a point of discussion in meetings with other managers and so I was asked why I had requested a meeting with HR which Still to this day, I think is the most unprofessional and unacceptable thing. Because let's say there was yeah. something very serious. 
this woman had literally just turned around and told the entire department <laughs> what so yeah I, I knew in November 2019 that I had to leave I ended up staying for two years because I told myself and I also got told by other people that that's just how it is that's just how that company that's just how the corporate world is yeah well, I think it only took me three weeks <laughs> to tell you that certain people from this office are just a bit witchy, but not in the cool, cool way, not in the cool LA kind of witchy way. Um, and yeah, it it literally didn't take me long to realize this is not going to be it. And I was so relieved when it turned out you are feeling the same. You're feeling the same way. And yeah, like you said, I thought this is me out of uni now having to do a job, a corporate job that I haven't done before. And I thought, well, I guess it's just something I have to get used to. Um, but yeah, I think it pretty quickly also started, if I remember it correctly. Like, I think it only took like three or four months for us to start worrying about losing our job because. I feel like I had pretty soon I had anxiety of, oh, my God, I'm going to lose this job because this and this and this is happening. Um, almost immediately. That's not normal, guys. It's not normal if after like because there was, three months. There were so many. Yeah, there were so many changes happening that we were like, oh, shit. I think we are actually just like this in-between phase and they're going to they hired us for this reason and then they're going to kick us out as well. And I mean, yes, at this point, I did already know this is something I don't want to do. But also I was three months into a job and I wanted it to not look too bad on my CV. So I was worried about that. And I was worried about losing the money because the one thing about this job that was good was the salary. And um. Yeah. So at the beginning, after I was like, oh my God, I do not want to do this. I added, it added some anxiety to it too. Well, worrying about that I'm going to lose the job. The anxiety soon though became hope. Also that initial, um, that initial anxiety wasn't helped by the fact that first of all, we did replace the previous team who all got fired. Yeah. Um. So that team was originally in, in Luxembourg and they just got told, oh yeah, we're opening the office in, uh, well, in the UK. It wasn't London, it was somewhere else. Um. And so basically all of them just lost their job. And then also um, we... We had our teams in the UK and then we also had a team overseas. Um, I think each of because you, I think we can say this, right? You were working for the German market. I was working for the Dutch market. And we all had people from India in our teams as well. Those people all the, also one morning went into work and got told that they were closing. Oh, yeah. That was, I think that was the thing that bought, that made us so worried. Yeah. yeah. So that, so it wasn't, it wasn't weird that we felt that way. <laughs> No, it really wasn't. It was a confusing time because on the one hand, you were like, I really don't like this job. And then on the other hand, it's like, but I also really can't afford to get fired. I mean, I could have afforded to get fired because I was living with my parents at the beginning. Yeah, but <laughs> but still, you don't want this in your CV. Like, you don't want to yeah. be somewhere for a couple of months and get late, laid and off. And then immediately use your job. Yeah, of course. No. Um, But yeah, I think in general, what made the job so bad for me was it was mainly pure horrendous management that ruined it like our manager truly i don't think that to this day she ever knew what was going on ever like i remember this one time she sent out an email to i think in the email she asked me 
to tell people something, to tell the wider team something. And I had no idea what she means. And then I asked her to clarify and she couldn't clarify and she got angry and she get, got snappy. And then I asked Bob and together we tried to figure out what she actually means because Bob also didn't know what she was talking about. And then in the, it was a whole back and forth. And in the end, it was just one simple thing that I had to send out in an email to the team. But she had no idea what was going on. And like, I don't even know if this story makes sense, but like, that's how it was to communicate with her. She kept giving me tasks, but she had no idea. She heard some bits that have been told to her that needs to be done. And then she gave those bits to me, but she actually had no idea. <laughs> what it meant I don't know Julie never had any idea and also we did hear eventually that Bob actually just completely took over her role officially but also it was for a very long time it was inofficially because he would eventually start joining our meetings and every time someone asked a question even if someone specifically asked Julie a question Bob would just kind of start start answering because I feel like everyone knew that she she had no idea also Julie is the one manager I have had so far in my life who treated me, well, us, I should say, differently um, than the men in our team. (laughs) Oh, my God. Can I tell the first time I noticed that was so I was in the German market and I had one person who was with me in the German market who was a special kind of person. Um, And that guy just did not talk to me like we were sitting next to each other in the office okay side by side there was no wall between us and I asked him something and he just would not react to what I was saying but if I would message him on teams he would reply on teams so you can say you can you can guess it was really hard to get anything done or we were doing tasks double because I was doing them and he was doing them and it was just like there was no clarity nothing so in my one-on-one with my manager Julie I mentioned this and then she was like, well, you know, he's a man. What should we do? I mean, excuse me? Like, I didn't even react to that. I literally just left and told Gladys. That, <laughs> that sets the tone, I think, for just, yeah, yeah that, that completely encapsulates how we were managed in general. Um, because... Yeah, there was also for after a while that well actually no, very early on. Then because after six months COVID ha- happened. Um, but during those six months, there was also the issue of working from home. Um before COVID. Yes, before COVID. So we got told obviously that team in, in Lux got fired because well, got laid off because um the office was moving. So it wouldn't make sense for us to then start working from home because then it was kind of a thing of like, well, we did hear that the people in Luxembourg were a little bit bitter when people would work from home because then they were kind of like, okay, so we could have just kept our jobs and also worked from home. Um, So, okay, makes sense. Um, If it wasn't for the fact that the men literally never came to the office, (laughs) they worked from home all the time. There was always something, whether it was too much traffic, strikes, an eye infection, an ear infection. I don't care what it was. They <laughs> there were there was always a reason why these men were working from home. I remember me and my colleague um, on the on the Dutch team. We asked one time if we could work together, if we could work from home on the second of January because we had people, we had family over. We got told no. We got told. I mean, no. it was literally during the Christmas holidays as yeah, well. Yeah, we got told like, no. That yeah. is not an option. 
I eventually <laughs> did a very petty thing and I started a spreadsheet where I kind of color coded every person. And then I started marking every time the men would work from home versus when we work from home. And after a while, and, I, and then eventually I did present this to, to the managers and some of them were working from home 50% of the time. And I showed them this. Of course, I got the, oh, I'll speak to Julie about it. Of course, nothing ever happened. <laughs> yeah. Nothing happened except that we went into the office being told you can't work from home and then COVID happened and nothing ever. No one ever had stepped a foot back into the office building. <laughs> oh, yes. Because we one time when we had this discussion, they said this is not an, a job that you can do from home. Even though we had people yeah. on our team who had remote contracts from the beginning, so they were doing that job from home. But that's a different story. Yeah. Um, but no, we had to we had to come in five days a week. And then COVID happened and then they sold the building because, yeah, actually, it, it could be done they from They don't home. need an office. No. Um, yeah, the other thing was, though, um, another thing about the men. Um, I remember everyone being quite ill. Well, the men being quite ill, sitting around me. One of them hasn't come into the office for a while because he was ill. Um, and the other one just came back to work because he wasn't feeling well for a few days. and then obviously stayed at home, worked from home, but then came back because he was feeling a bit better. And that's when I started to feel ill. And I had the same journey from the office to the train station as my manager. So we were walking both together and I was like, I'm really not feeling well. Like I have a sore throat. My head hurts. I think I got like, I just infected myself with whatever they had. And then she looked me dead in the eye and said, no, you can come to work. This is just a men flu. Like, really? Is it though? Because I'm not feeling well. That woman, I mean, honestly, I I honestly don't want to be mean about these people. <laughs> but some of them were not okay. No. There was just something wrong. No, with they them. really weren't. There was yeah. and and they should definitely have not been in management positions. They really shouldn't. No. Um also one thing I remember was well, basically everything was a shit show in that company um and also we didn't really say this but it's a it's a big company <laughs> it is big it's american um it is quite known like you, you would yes people know like it. like you said you would really expect something else um and then also so everything would be yeah would be a shit show everything would be chaos all the time but we were also expected to lie between te uh, teams. I know that they sometimes when there was an issue that Julie would say something like, oh, no, uh, we have waterproof uh, processes in place and we know exactly how to handle this when there were no processes in place. Or then um, yeah. even teams who we would work with like on a day to day basis. And then there was one time I remember when there was an issue again and I comment, I sent I in the email thread mentioned that there was a gap somewhere and that we just needed to improve on something and then I got a private reply from Julie that was like please don't share these things outside of the team everything was just so secretive and there was absolutely we had to hide everything that wasn't properly sorted out by our manager basically from everyone else. even though it was very obvious yeah because then yeah. also that um that one-on-one -on -one that upset me so much was basically all things that she had said were okay. And then in that one-on-one, -on -one, it was just a list of things where it was like, oh, so 
Julie told me this and this and this. Um, for example, also, oh, that's another thing as well. The Some of these men would just come in around, I don't know, 10 or something when most of us... Oh, yeah, well, you, and leave at 4.20. And leave at 4.20. One day, I had to leave early to go to the garage. And that was the one day that this other person, the, the person who used to be the manager, he was there, like he was visiting us. And I had to leave early to go to the garage. And so I got told off in that one-on-one with him because he was like, yeah, I saw you leave early. What was that about? Yeah, and also, I have to say, you were the person that usually left around like after six, whereas myself, because I couldn't be asked, I left when my manager left, who also left. We literally left at 4.20 or 4.25 to catch the correct train. So it was just that day no one left early. And then that was the day you actually had something to do and you just got all the shit for it. As if no one else left that early. Well, also, I basically had to because to give a a bit of context. So the Dutch team, which was me and my colleague until my colleague left because she just couldn't take it anymore and it was just me. And then there was two people in the French team. The two of us shared a client because we had a Belgian client and Belgium's bilingual. So the French team and, and me um, shared a client and it was our biggest client that we had in that department. Whereas the German team, the Spanish team, just the other teams, I mean... I can I can say it was quite slow business for for you guys. I don't think I I don't think we had a client at this point. <laughs> no, exactly. So I mean, we did, but they needed nothing anyway. Yeah, yeah. So for our clients, there were some technical processes in place. Basically, we would have to send them the latest versions of the data um, every day for on like three different three specific times, and the last one was at five. Uh, it could be a little bit earlier, but usually it was later. So usually there was an issue. If there was a technical issue, it could sometimes be 6 p.m., 7 p.m., 8 p.m. <laughs> On some occasions, 9 p.m. Um, we yeah. were always expected to be standby. This was never agreed from the beginning. This was just something after a while, there was just more and more issues um, and we were just expected to stay until the work was done. So, yeah, I ended up coming in later eventually as well, because I was like, if I have to stay here until 7 p.m., why should I come in at 7.30? Um, and then when COVID happened, it got a lot worse. And I, I guess many people can relate to this, but the line between work and your personal time just becomes very blurred and you really need to protect that. But we for us, it became a thing of like, oh, they they honestly treated us as like, oh, yeah, but you're home already. So you can just keep your laptop open and keep an eye on it. And then they would tell us things like, oh, but of course, you don't have to stay and sit behind your laptop the entire evening. You're you're allowed to eat or something. And they actually made it sound like they were doing us a favor by telling us, oh, you have to wait until 10 p.m. to do this. But you can eat in the meantime. It was it was wild. But then also, that was your side. Mine was, I don't know. I At the beginning, it was fine. There was a lot to learn. We had the training and everything. And I ended up giving training at some point to people on a regular basis, like the freelancers and stuff. But I had no tasks. And when I say I had no tasks, I mean I had no tasks. Maybe, well, I had one task, I think, in the morning that took me like 30 minutes and then I had absolutely nothing to do. And I hate 
doing nothing. I hate being unproductive. I cannot not, I, I just can't deal with it. And yeah, I, I mean, I told my manager, I have nothing to do. Please give me any task. Why do I have nothing to do? What are the people doing? Like, can you please tell me what I can do? I was really annoying. I was constantly asking for helping out with anything that comes up. Like I was begging for work, but I did not get anything. No, like, people did not react at some point i even got somehow promoted into a weird role into a weird position that no one explained to me why it was i didn't really get more money i was just hoping i get more tasks but i didn't get any more tasks and i ended up sitting in our telephone booth with my laptop in the office because that was pre-covid and watch netflix because i had absolutely nothing to do even though i kept begging for it and i it was horrible. Like it was, it was, it was literally torture. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I think, well, you and I, yes, we definitely did have a different experience. <laughs> well, we had the same, we felt the same way, I think, overall about the company, yeah. but you actually, you did have nothing to do. Whereas I, which also always made me wonder, what is my team colleague doing? Because I know what we have to do and there's nothing to do. So what was he doing all the time? I mean, he did come up with, with the weirdest questions all the time. So I don't think he was actually working. He was just looking around our programs. I don't know. Yeah. Whereas then for me, I used to be a team with three people. Eventually, after a couple of months, uh, less than a year, I was one person and I was doing that work on my own. Um, which I mean, I was considering learning Dutch so I can help you. <laughs> so I have something to do. <laughs> Also, it turns out you don't even need to speak that language to be on that team because <laughs> if one of us was on holiday and because there was only one person as well for the Spanish team, for example, if he was away for two weeks, then, you know, you would cover for that market. You don't speak Spanish. That was never an issue. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then also, um, this also led to my, the absolute highlight of my time. <laughs> there the rest and recharge days issue so we got told that the days between christmas day and new year's day it was three days i'll never forget three days that year <laughs> three working days i mean those days yeah. would be rest and recharge days which meant in theory um that everybody was off so it was just three holidays that you got. I say in theory, because then we got an email that said, well, everyone will essentially be off. Just just for everyone, just FYI, if people say something like that, if people say, oh, it will essentially, essentially this or... Um, normally it should be this Th that means it's not that, mean that means it's not it's not that <laughs> so they said you'll essentially be off but the busy markets would have to be standby in case something comes up we knew at this point that that meant three people of our team which which was me and the two french people um the other people we knew would not have any work we knew that we basically would have to work all day because something would come up something always came up so we knew okay for us with our clients something will come up come up so we have to be standby that in my opinion is not being off being off means i don't have to work i can go wherever and not take my laptop with me because i don't have to be at work 
being essentially off and having to be standby, that is not, that's not being off. Um, then they also said, oh, but um, you have to be standby. But if you're traveling, then you can be off, which kind of made me think, okay, so if I lie and I say that I'm just taking a flight or something, then I don't have to work? What? You know, it was all things like this. There was always double standards. It was never clear. They would always communicate. Yeah. Can I please also say, yeah. because this was still during the time where we been, were being told off for working from home. Yeah. The one of the people from one of the teams has been working from Spain at this point already for like uh, 10 days <laughs> before Christmas and then after. <laughs> this boy would <laughs> go to Spain for two weeks and just work from, but he was clearly, he was clearly Julie's favorite. And I mean, I liked him. He was my favorite as well, but he, he was clearly Julie's favorite as well. Um, so then, so I, I honestly don't think I have ever been more upset at work in my entire life <laughs> when this whole discussion started. So I, and also, of course, it was a thing of like everyone complaining that it wasn't fair, nobody really saying anything. So I took that role upon myself and I, <laughs> I reacted to Bob's email and I said, okay, I'm sorry, but we all know who will be working. And why do these, why do other people on the team just get three days off when we will essentially be off, but we will actually be working three days? Um, he got back to me and he said, you know, if you don't like it, I suggest you take it up with HR. To which I said, oh, don't you worry. I've already done that. So I got in touch with HR <laughs> and I explained the situation. There was actually a normal HR, per quite a normal HR person as well. So there was there was the woman who um, told everyone that I requested a meeting with her. There was also quite a, like, a normal person who got back to me and said, yeah, that is absolutely not what this is supposed to be. So she was like, I'm immediately reaching out to Julie and Bob. Um, they got reprimanded and then we got an email that said, oh, so apparently there has been miscommunication. Of course, we never meant that uh, people would have to work during this time. And of course, you're all off and this and that. So they didn't even have the the balls <laughs> to say, to actually admit that that was 100% what they meant and what they told us to do. So eventually there was three days, there were three people who would have had to be standby. We ended up each working one day and then taking that day off another time. Bob was absolutely furious with me. <laughs> he was furious. Um... And I was just like, honestly, that that's literally all. That, and it was all things like that. It was all things like, why not just do that from the beginning? Why not just be like, okay, there will be three people who have this client who will definitely need something. Yeah, communication was not a thing in this company. Like, absolutely not at all. Which reminds me that when I had my interview with this company, one of the things they asked me, which if people... Let me let me tell you this right now. If this is a question people ask you during a job interview, don't walk away. Run. Run, run away. They asked me, <laughs> how do you deal with extremely bad communication in a company? <laughs> they asked me this. I've forgotten. They had literally, they literally asked me this. 
and um yeah I had to say in my interview not because they asked me but because one of my answers and I say that in every company not with any interview that I do now more than ever after this experience but like I had in my in my interview one of my interview answers was like when they ask what do you look for in a job I said I want to work in a job where there's clear and honest communication and they interrupted me literally saying what do you do if it's not clear and honest (laughs) it's like uh, not clear and honest sorry they just ask what do you do if it's not clear and yeah I don't know what I replied it wasn't honest either (laughs) It wasn't honest, no, absolutely not. Yeah, honest. because then, yeah, there was also mm. the the actual day to day tasks, the job, which we got hired as content writers. We never really did that. We did that a little content bit. Content producers, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah, content producers. In the beginning, we kind of did that. Then one day, they drastically changed our roles. And they became super technical. So after a while, we were just running and analyzing reports all day, every day, which... Yeah, we kind of became data people instead. We did. Um, And then, yeah, they started... Well, those who had something to do. (laughs) Yes, and then they they started... um, They started hiring freelancers to do the actual writing, which, okay, but that was... That, that the job we got was not what any of us applied for <laughs> so no, it was very misleading as well yeah, it really was the yeah and so <laughs> don't even know what to say um and then but then i honestly yes like you said because it was my first job after you know well i had worked before but it was always you know, as a as a student or an internship or, or something. Well, actually, I did work in Berlin and it was a corporate environment as well. And it was not nothing like this. But I kind of, you just start thinking, you know, maybe that's just what it's like. And then one of the people, I think, I think also Bob at some point told me, um, yeah, well, you'll find if you go somewhere else that it's the same, um, that the same things happen, which... It's, it's just not true. It's absolutely not true. But I, after a while, started thinking, I'm probably the problem. I'm probably just not made for the corporate world. If this is what the corporate world is, I'm not I'm not made for it. When I left, when I quit during my conversation while I was quitting, Bob also said something like, oh, I always wanted to, I don't know, go after his creative passion, but he kind of got stuck there and I was just like let me out of here now (laughs) oh my god another thing I'd completely well I do think about it regularly (laughs) but I don't even have it in my notes when I left when I told my team when I told the team that I was leaving one of these people one of them so they asked me oh what do you want to do and I oh my god I remember yeah you're gonna say yes yeah one of these people um so I they asked me what do you want to do and I said okay I want to kind of be a bit more creative. I wanted to look for some more creative opportunities. And this guy said, yeah, that's what they all say. To which I said, what's that supposed to mean? And he said, yeah, um, that's what I said as well. And then I ended up back here. And the same thing will happen to you. This that That's literally what- Hell this, no. That is literally what this person said to me <laughs> when I told them- that I was not something like, oh, I wish you all the best. Oh, good luck. No, 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 no. Literally, you'll be back here. Yeah. Um. Oh, my God. Yeah, because, because yeah, after a while, um, I left because, 
there, then eventually there came there came a point where honestly certain names would pop up on Slack or on Microsoft Teams and I would literally just feel my chest get tight. <laughs> I Because the thing is, sorry, just for everyone listening, the thing is truly was a problem, but there were many other people that were just really weird, fucking weird characters to be around. Like... Uh, the way people it was such a toxic work environment people would just snap at you they send you actually rude emails like you wouldn't talk to your friends like that if you actually liked them like it was ridiculous it was it was like high school girls fighting like it was not normal communication that was going no, on no exactly yeah and it's so good that you say that you say that exactly it was the passive aggressiveness i would i would honestly go for lunch for an hour it wasn't even passive aggressive it wasn't it it kind of was aggressive <laughs> that's actually true it actually was aggressive and that was in england okay well, there was those were some of them were british people yeah not the one i'm thinking of she was german <laughs> oh yeah she not was german. not that that means anything guys but you know no. um <laughs> No, but like I would, I would be gone for an hour to, I would take a lunch break. I would come back to a thread of like 10 emails with people just shouting, exactly being aggressive, being like, why are you not here? How are we fixing this? What do you suggest we do now? Or then she, that woman would, would be like, hey, I have a short question, um, blah, blah, blah. And then if some, one of us, <laughs> I remember one of us started explaining something and then she would say something like, okay, never mind. I guess it wasn't so short then. And it would just constantly be remarks like this all day, every day. And actually I started doing it as well. And I'm not that person, <laughs> but I started doing it because you just get so used to it. And you get to a point where you're like, okay, I don't, I won't let these people speak to me that way. Oh my God, Gladys, do you remember? <laughs> what? Oh, the worst, one of the worst moments of my life. Okay, so <laughs> Gladys was sharing a screen. <laughs> that that was during COVID already and we were working from home and um, I got some weird task by Bob about something that has nothing to do with what should have been. I don't know. No, it had nothing to do with me because it was in Finnish and I do not speak Finnish, okay? I do not know Finnish. I do not read Finnish. I am not finished. <laughs> um, and at that point, I was just pissed. Yes, I was bored because I had nothing to do. It wasn't that bad, though, because I was at home, because it was during COVID, so I was just doing whatever. At this point, I think I was aggressively applying for other jobs most of the day. Um, but yeah, so he asked me to do that task or several tasks, and I was pissed because we were both pissed at that point and I sent Gladys some messages about oh my god he just asked me to do this and this and then I said something about the way I said something like no thank you sir I'm not gonna do this thank god I didn't use any insults or bad words um but <laughs> only a few seconds after I sent all these messages to Gladys Bob actually messaged me privately saying by the way, Gladys is sharing her screen. I have never felt the the blood 
drop out of my head this quickly. I literally just aggressively shut my shut my laptop, ran to my boyfriend and put my head under his t-shirt. That was I remember this so exactly because I felt so horrendous. But then on the other hand, it was nothing horrible. I was just telling I was basically just complaining that I am not meant to do this task. And now they're pushing, oh, it was because the person who was responsible for these tasks left recently and they said they're not gonna hire anyone else. So now they were dropping some language on me that I do not speak or have any knowledge about. Oh, uh, I'm getting hot and feeling uncomfortable just by thinking of that situation oh my god that yeah yeah I do remember that was that was brilliant and then there was me also unexpectedly having to share my screen and having not one not two but about 20 LinkedIn tabs open (laughs) and I had to share my screen and these tabs were just everyone saw them and it was very obvious that me, I too, oh. was aggressively looking for a job. But what you said about that Finnish thing, exactly. That's the thing as well. So people would leave um, because even though we were eventually doing data stuff most of the time, we were at the end of the day still producing content and delivering content to the clients in these languages. And some teams would literally not have one, but there would not be one person who spoke that language anymore. And we still had to do it. Um, and then they they would tell the, the other person who was covering for them that they just had to use Google Translate or something. Oh, yes. which Yeah. Yeah. It's ridiculous. It's just ridiculous. Um, so, yeah. yeah. So like I, yeah. So like I said, exactly because of all that, all the, just the aggressive vibe it was just in the air it was just toxic the toxic vibe was was so toxic and so yes after a while like i said i would see certain names in my inbox or i would see them pop up in like slack slack messages and my chest would just get tired i would just feel that pressure on my chest immediately i also after a while started having panic attacks sometimes it it happened a couple it happened a handful of times I think in my life but there there was one time where it woke me up in the middle of the night and I don't know if you've if you've never if you've ever had a panic attack I really hope you haven't because it honestly feels like you're dying I think it feels like what a heart attack probably feels like you you're just 100% convinced that you're dying um and then for me eventually as well it was impacting my work you had also left at this point <laughs> I was still there um because I had a very high rent, like I discussed in a previous episode. And I also, yes, the salary was good. And I had kind of told myself and other people also told me that I wouldn't get the salary anywhere else. Um, and then also sometimes, like you said, I would be aggressively applying for different, there would be some mo- moments where I'd be like, okay, I need to get out of here right now as soon as possible. And then for a while, I would do nothing but apply in my spare time. But because the job was so incredibly draining, I didn't even have the energy at the end of the day to apply for jobs anymore. So then after a while, that would just slow down again or then something or then there would be a couple of days that were kind of okay. And then I thought, okay, maybe it's not that bad. Maybe I can stay here for a little bit longer because the money is nice. And And that's when I told you, because we were obviously still in contact, even though I wasn't working working there anymore but you always said but there are days well not always but sometimes said there are days where it's not that bad and I told you it literally sounds like you're trapped in a toxic relationship it's exactly what you do you're like 
oh, but he's been really nice today, even though the past six months he was just yelling at you. Like, it is literally the same. When I left that company, I felt like I've lo- I've left a toxic partner and I can finally breathe again. You had a bottle of champagne on your last day. <laughs> oh, my God. I had a... No, no, no. I It was 10 a.m. in the morning. I quit my job on that Zoom call and I opened a bottle of Prosecco <laughs> because, with my boyfriend because I think he was relieved I can finally shut up about the company. <laughs> and here we are again. <laughs> well, yeah. Well, the two of us, but we don't hate our current company. No, 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 no. We are talking about it again, but it is, it's a trip oh, down yeah, yeah, yeah. horror memory <laughs> Yeah, but I do have to say, just again, to prove how much I wanted to get out of this job, because some of these situations might just sound like really, meh, why are they so whiny about it to some people? It was altogether such a horrible soup of toxicity that I left this job in the end for a job that literally paid me half the amount of money that I earned at this job. And I mean, I was lucky because at the beginning I was living with my parents, so I had the chance to save a lot of money before I moved in with my boyfriend and had to start paying rent. But honestly, like that was some big cut of earnings that I made there. And I do still think it was worth it because, yeah, the other job was fine. It was good. Um, The company wasn't as bad. (laughs) Every company has bad things. Well, a lot of companies have have bad stuff going on. But it was a better experience than the other one definitely yeah um well exactly I left without a plan b which also kind of shows how desperate I was to get out of there eventually well also I should say um first I requested working part-time so I request at some point I requested if I could work four days instead of five days because at the time like I said I had kind of started telling myself I don't belong in the corporate world. I can't work in a corporate environment if this is what what it is. I need to get out of there. So there was a time where I wanted to work as a freelancer. I also did some freelance work and everything. Um, then I kind of realized that's not what I want to be doing full time, um, at least not now at this stage in my life. But there was a time um, where, well, back then, especially I was like, okay, I just need to get my freelance freelance career of, off the ground um, so I asked for four days. They refused. Uh, they denied my request because they said um, that the team just didn't have the capacity anymore. Well, obviously, we were about a fourth of the size that we used to be. Um, didn't have the capacity anymore to take my work that one day. So basically, they couldn't miss me one day. Fun fact, I left and they never replaced me. So how is that? How is that logical? So they couldn't miss me one day. I left five days. I I left completely entirely. To this day as well. To To this this day. day, To this day, one and a half years later. No, almost two years later. They have not replaced me. Um, So even though the biggest clients, well, I must, I I don't even know if they're still there. If if they have any sense, they left a while ago, but I don't know if that client is still there. It's like, it's a very big company as well. That was his client. Um, even though that company is, well, also, like I said, French and Dutch speaking and the content they need is also in French and in Dutch, there is currently not one person there who speaks Dutch. Um, so that is, that's interesting as well. Um, 
I, yeah, like I said, there was just a point where it impacted my work. I wasn't doing a good job anymore because I, I could not, I just didn't care anymore. I could not be bothered anymore. I had zero energy left. Um, and so then I went on holiday to the Lake District, which I, I, I remember. And in that moment on holiday, I just realized the thought of having to go back to work literally kills me. There is nothing I want to do less than go back to work, which again, and yeah, I, I get that some people that you just sometimes are in situations and that's just the way it is. And not everyone can just leave these situations, but it, that's not normal. It is not normal to every Sunday think, okay, I honestly wish I got hit by a bus so I wouldn't have to work. That is not normal, guys. So I knew I had to go. Luckily, I was in a situation where I did, I, I, knew I could do that. I could get by for a couple of months. I could also rely on people to help me if that was necessary. I was very, very nervous to tell my grandfather because he is that person. Like I said, he was with the same company for 40 years almost, I think, uh, or more even. So I I was very scared because he would also be a little bit like every time I did bring it up, he was like, yeah, but, you know, just stay for a, for a bit longer and the money and everything. So I remember I was on holiday. I called my grandparents and I said, when I get back, I'm quitting. I I cannot do this anymore. And he could not have reacted better, more understanding. He immediately was just like, yeah, I know. This has been a thing for a while. You tried it. If you say you can't do it anymore, you can't do it anymore. And I couldn't do it anymore. My colleague left um, and then didn't work for a year because she was just so burned out. And that's the thing as well. You don't want to get to that place. You really don't want to get to a place where you cannot. And that's where I felt I was headed, honestly. And that really scared me. And then I also, because of course, yes, the money. I had, I lived by myself. I had a flat. This was my almost 1700 pound flat I had to pay for. So of course I was, I was super nervous. Well, actually, no, I lived here already, I think. Yeah, I lived here already. But this was, this was a very, very stressful thing. And I went back and forth and back and forth. And then there was one friend who told me, okay, you sent me a 10-minute voice note now where you mentioned 50 times <laughs> that you can't do it anymore. Quit, just quit. Um, and then I think the thing that really did it for me was eventually I asked myself, how big are the odds that I will, even, even if I don't get a new job immediately, and again, I know that I'm privileged that I'm in a situation where I, I knew that I would never be in too much financial trouble, but I asked myself, even if I don't get a job for a very long time, even if I struggle with money, even if I, I really, really struggle because I can't find anything, will I regret leaving Shicho? <laughs> the Shicho. And I just knew, no, there is not one scenario, there is not one single thing that could happen in this life that would make me regret leaving that company. So I did it. Um, yeah. And yeah. The re the relief it was I the felt. best decision we've both ever made. Oh my god, <laughs> the relief I felt. Yeah. yeah. Yes. Also, you know what? I just realized <laughs> this is something very different. But um, for some reason, I didn't have an exit interview. First of all, um, everyone else I feel like had it. Did you have an exit interview? 
Yes, I had an exit interview and I was asked, would you recommend that working here to a friend? And um, I said straight to her face, no, unless they really need a lot of money. Yes. Really okay, so I did not have an exit interview. They honestly didn't care anymore. Um, and also, I think for most of the people who left, they had they arranged uh, pick, a pickup for, for their laptop and everything. I had to pay to send my stuff back and I have not been paid to this day. I pay, I had to pay. I, first of all, had to ask them and chase them and be like, okay, where do I send this laptop? And then someone gave me their personal address and I was like, okay, I'll just send it there. I paid for that. Never. Yeah, never I didn't money. have to pay. Yeah, no. I got I got, I got the pickup curious service. I had to pay. Um, also, the... the <laughs> but I did, well, they did, they did give me something like a survey or something. Oh my God the email I or the essay I wrote in that survey. I don't even know if people read it ever, but probably not. Probably not. <laughs> it probably just went to waste. Well I I do have it saved somewhere. So <laughs> well, it literally has been a shit show. <laughs> and um we are both very happy we're not in that situation anymore. And I just have well, I guess you could call it some takeaways, but I think one thing that people in any job, in the corporate world, anywhere should know is that you don't most likely don't have to do a job that kills you mentally. Like that, that is a way out there. It might be a bit harder sometimes and applying for a job is a full-time job. So it takes a lot of energy to do both, but once you get out there, it's worth it. And I just think when looking for a new job, your interview time that you have with the company is also the time where you can interview them. Look for red flags. Try if, like if someone tells you, how do you handle bad communication? That is a red flag. Um, look, ask them questions that are important to you. Ask them how you how they think um their employees feel about their roles or whatever ask any kind of question where you can find out what the vibe is there um and like we said I am not working my passion like I can be honest about this <laughs> I am working a job that I don't hate doing I do enjoy doing <laughs> and um I do really like the company you can find a company with a great culture and great people and that actually feels like cares a bit for you as much as a company can care for you I guess and that will make such a difference like not dreading going to work on a Sunday evening is so nice not dreading coming back from your holiday makes a holiday a lot better so if there is a possibility try and grab something different if you're currently stuck in a job that is just just horrendous <laughs> yes um yeah I also want to say to that exactly um Trust your gut during the interview process as well. If you are doing a job and you feel like, okay, this is not it, don't don't be like me. Don't stay too long until you get to a place where you're just really, really drained. Um, just start looking, even if you feel like, okay, but I can't leave. I need this job. I need this money. Um, at least start looking, make a deal with yourself that you will apply for two jobs a week or whatever it is, whatever you can find the energy for. But also, yes, do trust your gut because so I was without a job for I think three months in the end. Um, and there was one interview for a company and I actually went to the very last stage or I got to the very last stage. 
And it was quite, it was quite, an, it was a very nice company that would have looked very nice on my CV. It was a very nice um, job as well. It was the worst interview I've ever had. It was with this one woman. She was Flemish and she made me want to cry. <laughs> she was just, she was mean. I don't have any other words for it. She was mean. There was one thing where she, um, there was something that she said I hadn't mentioned. I didn't mention on my LinkedIn, even though I checked immediately immediately afterwards. It was on my LinkedIn. She just, I don't know, missed it or looked at the wrong version or whatever. Um, but she, I remember she said something like, well, from someone who would potentially be in charge of our content, I think you would at least expect that they would do this and this. Like everything she would say to me would be phrased like that. <laughs> she also said... Oh my God, she said, it's a bit insulting, but she also said, well, at least you're Flemish and not Dutch. So you probably do know basic grammar because most Dutch people don't. And I was like, okay, okay. Oh if this is the vibe I get from this woman after 10 minutes, um, the thought of having to work with her every day, absolutely not. I didn't leave my old company. I didn't leave the shit show to then enter a new shit show. And there were people who said, oh, but it's such a nice company and the pay is good and everything. Just give it, give it a go, give it a chance. And then at least you have something. And I just, I just knew that I could, I was like, I'm sorry. No, I, I don't no. want to already yeah. be dreading the first day of work before I even start a new job. I don't want that. Um, so I decided to not go to the, um, to the next stage anymore to, to not do there was a final assessment thing or something I decided to not do it and yeah like I said I completely understand that sometimes you're in a situation where you can't just leave you know the things that you see in movies where it's like I quit and then they throw their apron on the floor not everyone can just do that but <laughs> it doesn't hurt to at least look there are so many people I know who complain about their job every single yeah. day but they never ever ever even try to look for something else and you honestly you don't want to realize in 10 years that you are still in the same job that you hate and that you wasted all that time yeah exactly and also if you would have taken that other job that you said the interview was bad we both wouldn't be at the company we are at now because the only reason I really have wanted to be in this company we're both in now is because of your great feedback that you've given and I know what you have been through because we've been through the same shit show so I knew I could trust your your feedback and I'm glad I did because yeah it is lovely it is lovely here <laughs> yeah but I was also a little bit traumatized so I did what you said as well exactly treat that interview like yes they need to find out if yes. they want you to work for them you also need to find out if they're a company that you or if they're an employer whoever it is that you want to work for and I I asked a question during my interview with my current employer I asked them okay it was th three women in that um, interview and I said okay I want each one of you to give me an example of a time where you went against um, something that the company said or, so, or when you didn't agree with something and you shared your your opinion on something and maybe they didn't agree with you. Maybe you didn't end up get, getting your way, but you at least felt like they respected you yeah. and they listened to you. And all three of them, first of all, they were very impressed that I asked that question <laughs> because it is quite a bold thing. And I get that you can sometimes, of course, when you do an interview, you're nervous. So maybe you don't want to ask that. But also 
every single one of them had a great example. So that just told me, okay, I want I want to work there. Yeah. And now working there, you know that they do care about your feedback. Our company really, they yeah. that surveys surveys are important to them where we can give our feedback and speaking up is one of the values of our company. So yeah, that's that. Yeah. I mean, we would usually do recommendations. I don't know about you. I don't really have a recommendation. The only thing I want to say is when working at the shit show, after working there for a while, I gave the series The Office another chance because I tried to watch it before because everyone loved it and there was such a hype about it and I just couldn't get into it and I thought I find it stupid. But then my boyfriend was like, let's give it another try. And I love it. It has become one of my favorite series. And I think the reason I didn't like it before was because I haven't experienced how an office can be. <laughs> and after I've lived it, I could relate to the show and ended up becoming a Stanley, just waiting for the day I'll get fired and I can finally go to Florida and chill. <laughs> so what Yeah, I I've never I've never um seen The Office. I have <laughs> one of my favorite Flemish shows is the Flemish equivalent at Airland. Um and when I was younger, I've always loved that show, but when I was younger, I thought, oh, this is very stereotypical typical and this is very absurd and if these people exist existed in real life they would get fired immediately now i realize they were actually quite soft <laughs> real life can be a lot worse yeah that is true that is true i mean the thing about the office is though um you it just shows how corporate it is the characters itself you kind of grow to love and like all of them I ended up really liking. Um, but yeah, it just it just shows how corporate can have an impact on an office, I guess. I don't know. Um, but what I also want to say, this is a bit off topic, but there will be people who say, I don't want to watch The Office because it's so offensive. It's not fucking offensive. <laughs> I mean, the jokes sound offensive, but only if you don't know how to watch the show. Because it's not about... The jokes aren't homophobic or fatphobic or racist the joke is about the racists the homophobes and the fatphobes and whatever so don't tell me it's 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 offensive because it makes me angry it's a real trigger <laughs> anyway that was me <laughs> yeah i know i know it is but yes exactly we've had this conversation as well we do say exactly a lot oh my god oh yeah we realized exactly our if we ever get to a point where we have to, well, where we want to make some merch, exactly will be <laughs> printed in capitals on a hoodie. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, no, but yeah, there is a difference between shows where you can just tell that the offensive thing or the stereotypical t thing towards a certain group of people is that that is how the show and the writers feel and that that's something that they thought was funny. Or if they want to criticize people who do feel that way. For example, yeah, there's a, the Jay character on Modern Family. And I love Jay. I, I love me some <laughs> Jay. But he's like the Republican, stereotypical old white man. And he has very conservative ideas. But he always gets proven wrong. Yeah. And of course, yeah, you can hear that and be like, oh my God, how dare he say that? And how dare this show put that in there? But no, the joke is on him. Yeah. Exactly. So yeah. now I said it again. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, God. I do have some book recommendations, though. Okay, go for it. I I actually have a couple. Um, The first one, well, 
hear me out because this might sound a little bit weird, but <laughs> I would very much like to recommend Adam Kay's books. So Adam Kay um, is mostly known in Britain, I think. He used to be uh, a surgeon for the NHS and now he's a stand-up comedian. Yeah, I know your boyfriend loves his, loves his books as well. There was also um, a series recently, I think a year ago or so, based on his uh, first book, This Is Going To Hurt. So the, the show has the same name. And so it's about, it's very, very interesting because it's about his job and the actual, it's kind of like Grey's Anatomy, but then reality. So all of the very... The, the the challenges that the NHS has and um, just what that life is like. And it really opened my eyes when it comes to just doctors, um, medical professionals' lives in, in the UK. Because I think, and I think actually maybe it was with you that I had this conversation or with your boyfriend or with you vi- or with him via you. I don't know. <laughs> but where somebody told me, in the UK, being a doctor isn't that fancy. Like, it's not as fancy as we, like, for example, in Belgium, if you tell someone, oh, he's a doctor, she's a doctor, they're a doctor, then you immediately think, oh, that means they're rich. And that's, it's, it's a job with, it's a very high, like with a bit of standing or something. Whereas in the UK, it really isn't. They usually don't earn anything. No, because when we were at the shit show, you and I, we earned more than a junior doctor earns in the UK. (laughs) Yeah, 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 yeah. So that, yeah, that's the thing. So that is something that becomes very clear when you read this book. And then also just how incredibly, of course, um, in- how massive the impact is on on people's mental health when they, le- when they work in the medical um, industry. And he ended up leaving. So he just ended up um, completely changing his career parts. And now he's a stand-up comedian, which... Many people then, of course, looked at, at looked at as why on earth would you do that? You know, he was a couple of levels away, I think, from being like a, a head of department or something, and he just completely stopped. Um, so, so yeah, he has two books. This is going to hurt, and then the second one that I read very recently, a couple of weeks ago, Undoctored, where he then talks about his um, his the start of his career as uh, a stand-up comedian and the challenges he had there. Um, Then there is also a fiction book called E, just the letter E, by Matt Beaumont. And this book is hysterical. This book is basically the shit show in book form. So it is just emails. All you see is emails. But you kind of get to know these characters, the people who sent these emails. And... um, you you get to know you know the managers their different jobs and just the way they communicate with each other and the dynamic between these characters it is so brilliant <laughs> there is like yeah like i said it is just the way they communicate and everything well it's funny if you're not in that in in it in the moment <laughs> afterwards it's fun to read about it because it's just it's just it's great i love it so much um, and then there's also a nonfiction book. Well, the Adam K books are also nonfiction, but then there is also a book called uh Working Hard, Hardly Working by Grace Beverly. I haven't actually read this, but it's been recommended to me many times. And I um I also found the the summary, which I think 
it just fits this um, this topic perfectly because it says, we all know the pressure of feeling like we should be grinding 24-7 while simultaneously being told that we should just relax and take care of ourselves. Like we somehow have to decide between success and sanity. But in today's working world where every hobby can be a hustle and social media is the lens through which we view ourselves and others, this seemingly impossible choice couldn't be further from reality. So that is definitely one that is on my next to read list. It sounds very, very interesting. Yeah. Oh, wow. Thank you. I definitely have a look. Well, I've known the Adam K books. Is it Adam yes. K? Yes. <laughs> um, yeah. But the last one, that sounds really good. Cool. Well, this has been probably a bit of a longer one again, but you should be used to it now <laughs> after our last two specials. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. So thank you for listening. Before we wrap up, we want to say a big thank you to all of you who made it to the end of the episode. We hope you enjoyed it and we hope that you had something you could relate to, but maybe not too much. <laughs> when I think about everything that we've just shared with you, it was all quite traumatic. Um, anyway, We'll be back next week with another episode on our corporate theme. Well, we'll be back in two weeks, but yes. <laughs> oh, yes. Um, <laughs> but yeah, so the best part is we also would love to hear from you. Um, we know that each one of you has their own unique experiences and stories to to share. So don't be shy and message us on Instagram at we are millennial musings and you can share your own musings with us um and also we would really love and appreciate if you could give us a follow here on spotify and if you maybe could rate our show because it really helps us push this podcast out there into the world yeah but we'll only only rate if you want to give it five stars otherwise don't rate <laughs> oh yeah <laughs> <laughs> so until well two weeks from now stay curious and yes. we want to hear from you keep those stories coming bye 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 <laughs>